and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bound down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On the day I called you, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord. When they have heard the words of your mouth, and they will sing all of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is exalted, yet he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will receive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today is an opportunity for us to be thankful. I know this week we had the holiday called Thanksgiving. And while that day is over, the season for Thanksgiving has not gone away. I'm sorry, I'm distracted because I had to change microphones. Can we start over? We're going to start over. Here we go. Well, we had Thanksgiving this week. (laughs) We had Thanksgiving this week, and it's over, and I'm glad it's over. Um, We had a wonderful time. In fact, our family did something for the first time this year that we had never done before. Instead of having the traditional turkey and the stuffing and all the things that uh, we've had, I think, my, my entire life, We chose this year to go to where every person should go for Thanksgiving, to Flushing Hot Pot. We had Chinese hot pot for our our Thanksgiving meal. And so it it felt, instead of a Christmas story where they burn the the turkey and everything and they go out and have Chinese, it felt like our Thanksgiving story where we went out to have Chinese hot pot. And it was was a lot of fun with our family. Uh, One of the things that we still continued, though, is we came home afterward and we had a, a moment where where we, we, we read some scripture. We actually read that psalm that we just read now from, from the Bible. And we also took time in, um, in sharing what we're thankful for this year. And so we started going around and sharing it. And we all ha- had the n- number one thing that we were thankful for. And we were fighting over who would get to say it. And that's our dog. We were thankful for our dog, Carly. Uh, if, you, if you know her, you know why we're so thankful. Because she's absolutely adorable. Uh, but we said, okay, besides that, that's a given. Of course, we're thankful for her. But what are other things? And so kids shared, uh, you know, my son's thankful for his new Boy Scout troop. My daughter, Lily, is thankful for her arts and crafts uh, class that she has every week that's uh, just for her to go to by herself. And she does really cool things in there. And my older girls were, were thankful for soccer that they started this year, and they're doing so well in it. And, 
Carrie and I were actually very uh, thankful that, that God had put a, a new vision and a new desire for the city in our heart this past year. Uh, last year was a tough year, and the year, year prior were tough, and, and so God has, has renewed our vision and our, our desire to be here, and so we're very thankful for those things. But in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I wondered, everything that I just mentioned to you are, are circumstantial. Every, everything that I just mentioned are things that can be taken away from us. So how is it that we can be thankful to God when those things that we're thankful for are gone? Can we be thankful? Can we truly be thankful to God every day? And so today we're going to talk about the power of thank you, and we're going to look at four big blessings that God has for us that we can be thankful to him every day. It's very important for us to live with an attitude of gratitude, if you want to rhyme, and it's important for us to do that because it's important to God. It's easier for us to complain more than it is for us to thank. It's easier to think about the things we don't have than it is to focus on the things that we do have. It's easier for us to feel entitled for something than grateful and appreciative for what we already have. It's very easy for us to point the finger and say, that, 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 and that is wrong. And it's very, it's more difficult to point and point out the things that are right in life. It's very easy for us to want more, especially as now we're doing our Christmas shopping with all the sales that are happening this week. And the culture around us tells us that we want more and more and more. It's easier to want more instead of being grateful for what we already have. Jesus was uh, traveling, and he was in the, the book of Luke is where we get this account, and there were 10 men who came up to him who had leprosy. Now, leprosy is a horrible skin disease, and it causes your skin to actually rot off, and it's very highly contagious. So you don't want to be around people. It's miserable, and uh, they were outcast. And so they came up to Jesus, and Jesus said, go and do this, and you'll be, you'll be clean, you'll be uh, healed. And they all 10 went and did that, and they were, they were healed miraculously. And then only one of them chose to come back and tell Jesus, thank you. And we pick that up here in Luke 17, verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now the guy, the one guy who came back and said thank you was a Samaritan, which was insulting. God's own people, his the own Jewish people left after being cleansed. But the, the Samaritan, the, the non-Jew, came and, um, and said thank you. And then he said to him, Jesus said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Being thankful is important because it shows that we're honoring God. And, but it's more important than that. It's not just showing that we honor God, but being thankful also positions us to be in a position of God blessing us. And doing special things, incredible things in our lives. I have a chart I want to show you because who doesn't love charts, right? So it's going to pop up on the screen here. And it's, it's contrasting gratefulness versus ungratefulness. And we'll start right here. Gratefulness is on the left. I meant to title that. I forgot to do it. But gratefulness is on the left. Ungratefulness on the right. There it is. Actually, it popped up. A grateful life leads me to be optimistic. An ungrateful life makes me expect the worst. Which side do you want to be on? A grateful life helps me rest. An ungrateful life makes me anxious. A grateful life makes me resilient. An ungrateful life leaves me weary. A grateful life fills me with joy. An ungrateful life leaves me unhappy. 
Is there a slide right before this one? Nope. Okay. I thought I had eight of them in there. But you can see the contrast of how gratefulness leads us to have a certain disposition and ungratefulness leads us to have a very negative disposition in life. It's very powerful for us. And so which side of the chart do you want to be on? Oh, here it is. The left side says, um, a grateful life draws me closer to people. An ungrateful life does what? It pushes people away from me. A grateful life draws me closer to God. An ungrateful life pushes me away from God. A grateful life gives me energy, which is always great after eating turkey at Thanksgiving, right? We need that energy. An ungrateful life leaves me drained. A grateful life helps me be content and an ungrateful life causes me to complain. The verse tonight that we're focusing on is, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And it reads this. It says, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything. And, and the word in everything there, another translation says it differently. It says, in all circumstances, be thankful. In all circumstances, give, give thanks, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So now we're going to look at the four blessings, and you can fill those in on the outline in your worship folder. The four blessings that you can thank God for every day. So you can start today with this list, and then pick it back up every day for the rest of your life, starting right now. Number one, here we go. God loves me. The first blessing is this. God loves me. That doesn't really maybe sound shocking to you, like, okay, I've heard that like a million times. That's, that's pretty elementary. But there's a difference between uh, understanding and, and hearing a concept and then having that truth penetrate your heart. There's a difference between actually, okay, I know what that means, and actually knowing in the depth of who you are what that means. Say this with me. God loves me. Ready? God loves me. One more time. God loves me. Now say it louder. God loves me. Do you really believe that God loves you? Do you live your life knowing and believing that God loves you? In Psalm 136, verse 26, it says, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is his love. And it's everlasting, it's eternal, it endures forever. And so his love is not something that you'll have one day and not have the next. It's not something that's fleeting or will pass. I was hanging my Christmas lights uh, yesterday, last night, after uh, right around dark, and two ladies walked past my house, and my front yard is right next to the sidewalk, and they were walking past having a conversation. I wasn't eavesdropping, but you can hear people because this is New York, and you're just close to people everywhere you go. And so they're walking past, and uh, this, this one woman says to the other, she says, uh, yeah, my mom wasn't affectionate. In fact, she never told me she loved me. And I was like, and I didn't say anything because it would have been inappropriate. I wasn't supposed to hear, you know. But, uh, but, it, but it made me sad. And I'm like, wow. That, that just floors me that, that a person could grow up not ever hearing their mother say, I love you. I don't, she may have been exaggerating like she rarely said it. She only said it at Christmas or my birthday. I don't know. But still, my mom said it all the time. And so it would be naive on my part to think that some of you even wouldn't be the same as that lady. That you, you, you grew up in a, a home where affection wasn't really shown properly. 
that you don't really know what love is. You're more like Jenny from Forrest Gump than Forrest Gump, right? Forrest Gump, you remember? He's like, I may not be a smart man, but I do know what love is. Nobody, if you're smiling, okay? That was a good impression. If you don't think it was, watch the movie, and then we'll talk about it. So, so love sometimes is not just the fact that we don't know God loves us, but sometimes we have a perverted idea of what love is. It's just been messed up because of the circumstances of our life have caused us to, I don't want to know that. The only thing I've ever known is love hurt me. And it, it wasn't healthy. And so we have to understand that, that God is a, a good, good father, as we just sang earlier. But, and he has the purest of loves for us. When others don't show love to you, know this. When you're not receiving love from others the way you need, remember this and know this, that the God of all creation looks upon you with love. He looks upon you and is pleased with who you are. Not because you're so great and you're doing everything right, but because in Christ, you're a new creature. You're his child, and he is pleased with you. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we see this verse. It says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we will be called children of God, and such we are. In Christ, we become God's children no matter how dysfunctional our family was or how dysfunctional it is, we have a perfect Father who loves us with the purest of love. God loves me. Remember that and thank God for it every day. Number two, the second blessing is this. God forgives me. God forgives me. So the bad news is this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned against God, and we need forgiveness. Sin has entered in because of our rebellion and separated us from a relationship with God. Have you ever been hurt by someone? They have did something that really wronged you, and you've said or thought this. You know what? No matter what they do, it's never going to be the same again. They can never fix this. It can't be undone. Forget about it. It's, it's, just, it's just done. It cannot be fixed. In that story, the other person that we're talking about now that hurt you, in that story, that other person is us in our relationship to God. I'm that other person. No matter what I do, I can't fix my relationship with God. I can't undo my sin. I can't take it back. I can't make up for it. But the good news is what we can't fix Jesus has chosen to fix for us. What we couldn't do, Christ has stepped into the realm of the, the world, and he has accomplished on our behalf. God fixed it. And we see this in many places, but I'm going to pick Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, where it says this. In him, we have redemption through his blood. And it's talking about Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, which are our sins according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the fact that we've earned this forgiveness, but according to the, the riches of God's grace. Imagine owing money. So much money that it would take you more than five lifetimes of earning money to pay it back. It would take you five lifetimes to pay it back. You're not going to pay it back before you die, okay? No matter what you do, okay? 
somebody comes in and says, hey, this debt that you owe, I'm going to pay it for you. I'm writing a check right now, sending it off, it's done, it's taken care of. But not only that, here's a debit card, and you never have to worry about debt again. Whatever you need, you go and you buy it on this debit card, and you will never have debt again. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I want to find that I have an uncle like that somewhere, so pray for me. But that's exactly what God has done for us when it comes to our sin. That, that we owe a debt that we can never pay, no matter what we do. And God has come in and said, I'm paying that for you. And then we also know that no matter what happens from here going forward, where sin increase, increases, grace abounds. That God is going to cover our sin. It's a wonderful concept that God forgives me of everything. This is what Jesus does for us. I want you to write down these three words. They're not in your bulletin or your uh, worship folder. But write down these three words quickly. And this is uh, three words that describe God's forgiveness. The first one is unconditional. Unconditional. God's forgiveness is unconditional. Now, it's unconditional to us. Where it comes to us, <clears throat> it comes to us freely. But it's conditioned because Jesus has the, is the one who met that condition for us. And so through the work that he's done, he is the condition and he has met it, and now it comes to us freely because of his work. So his forgiveness is unconditional to us. Number two, it is complete. Say complete. Three of you did. Great. Complete. So it's not just the little sins. This is maybe my favorite of the three words. Because there's those little sins that we have that we're like, okay, if you don't forgive me for that, you're a jerk. Okay? That was a little bitty sin. It wasn't that big of a deal. But then we have those big sins. The ones that we really messed up. The ones that we're truly embarrassed of. The ones that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for. And God's forgiveness is for those as much as it is for the small ones. I have a question. If God is forgiving you of your sin, even the greatest, who are you to not forgive yourself? When we don't walk in the freedom of of forgiveness that God gives to us, then what we do is we actually minimize the work of Christ on the cross. And we say, Jesus, it really wasn't enough what you did on the cross. I really need to carry this around a little bit longer and feel bad for a few more years because what I did was really bad. But that's not what forgiveness is. That's not what grace is. God gives us grace for the small and the big. It's complete. And the third one is, oh, and then Psalm 103 is where we get this from, or one of the ways we get it. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. So the far as the east from the west, it's not just like west queens and east queens, okay? It's talking about the whole direction itself. And so it's not going to meet. That's how far God separated. So when you start to feel guilty over something you've already confessed and God's forgiven you over that's the accuser coming in and trying to bring you down. And what you need to do is just show him a compass and say, hey, if you can find those on the map somewhere, have at it. But God's forgiven me, and I'm claiming the forgiveness, the complete forgiveness in Christ. And the third word is this, continual. Say continual. That was more of you that time. Good. So continual. There's no limit. It keeps going. Do you remember the Energizer Bunny commercials from quite a ways back? 
the energizer buzzer banging the drum, and it's like it just keeps going and going and going and going. Well, this is the way God's grace is. There's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It just keeps going. It's continual. There's no limit. It's unconditional, it's complete, and it's continual is the forgiveness. Romans chapter 5 verse 15 says this. But even greater is God's wonderful grace. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So number two, remember, God forgives me. Number three, God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for me. Your life is not a mistake. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did, okay? I was actually an accident as well. I was not supposed to be here. My dad says, son, you were an accident. My mom says, you were a pleasant surprise. So I love my mom more than my dad, obviously, for that reason. But your life began as a part of God's plan, and your life is here right now as a part of God's plan. God's not saying, okay, I got you here. Now you figure it out for, your, for yourself from here on out. But God wants us to actually plug into him and let him download his purpose and his plan for our lives. He wants to be acutely involved in the details of our life. He wants us to be so dialed in and walking with him that at his slightest whisper, we hear his voice. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 is a, a verse often quoted, and it reads, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, and welfare doesn't mean like what we think of like you're on welfare where you need government assistance, but welfare is shalom, it's everything, it's prosperity in every way. But the Lord plans for uh, uh, plans for welfare is prosperity and good and not for calamity. Calamity is destruction. To give you a future and a hope. You, you know this verse was written to people who were, were told this, that I have plans for you, they're good, plans for prosperity, not for calamity, plans to give you a future and a hope. Do you know these people never lived to see that promise fulfilled? Well, does that make God not true to his word? No. They had a purpose. And so this was written to people who had gone just into a harsh time in Israel's life in captivity, and they were slaves for a while in this horrible condition. But God said, while you're there, I want you to, to prosper, and I want you to pray for the people that you're living among. And I have a plan for you, and it's good. But that plan for them was good for their life in some ways. It wasn't all bad, but it was not just for them, but it was for their children and their children's children. So the purpose God has for your life is not just all about you. I think we need to realize that our life is not about us, but it's about us being part of this big plan that God has to bring redemption and, and forgiveness and healing and, and prosperity to the world. God wants us to be part of that. There's a good purpose for that. God has good things planned for you and for me, but it's bigger than just for you and me. Yes, God wants you to, to prosper and do well in the things that you do, but at the same time, he wants you to realize that it's not about that. If you're ungrateful, if you're wanting those things more than you want God, then you're never going to get those things because it will rob you of God. 
Don't look for your purpose in life through, uh, through your jobs. Don't look for your purpose in life through uh, wanting people to recognize you as a good person or, or, or whatever it is that you're, you're, you're wanting. Don't look for your purpose in life in a relationship because that person you find is not always going to be there one way or the other. Your purpose is much bigger than that, and, and none of those things, even the best person in the world, can live up to being the one that you build your life around. It's unfair to them. They can't be perfect for you, but Jesus is perfect for you. So build your life on him and let him speak his purpose into your life. And remember, God, you have a purpose for me. I realize that there are difficult things that some of you are going through right now, but you need to remember God has a purpose for this. There are difficult things that I've gone through in life, and I didn't believe that God had a purpose for me during those times. In fact, I felt many times angry at him. But what I can do now looking back is realize as difficult as it was and as unfair as I thought it was, I can now see the fact that you had a purpose in it. It was difficult, and it was something I don't want to go through anymore. But God, you're good, and you do have a purpose for me. So remember that, and thank God for that every day. Number four, God gives me eternal life. God gives me eternal life. We have very limited perspective in our lifetimes. Uh, last week I brought up the, uh, the mortality rate for, uh, I almost said U.S. Americans. That would have been funny, right? For, for people in the U.S., uh, men in the U.S., and, um, and also women. And the, the life expectancy rate for, uh, for women in the U.S. is 81 years old. The life expectancy for men is 76. So tomorrow, I turn 40. Woo woo, right? I'm so young for one more day. And then tomorrow, I die. I'm kidding. I'm a little too far with that joke. <laughs> so when you, when you realize the limited perspective and, and you realize how quickly your life passes, we, we forget that God's created us so much for so much more than even a good 76 or an 81 years or maybe you bump the median up and and you live to be a a hundred years old well it's still at some point that life is going to end and so god has created you for so much more than having a a long life here and now that's that's short of god's plan for you god gives you eternal life through christ and and in this eternal life, we don't have to worry about sadness anymore or death or despair or sickness or anything else like that. It's going to be a life of eternal life of peace and hope. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. He, this is talking about a person, a person who has the Son or has Jesus, has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And this life here is talking about the eternal life the life that endures forever. And I wonder how many people, how many of you may be wondering and worrying about what life will be like after death? Like what's going to happen after that? And if you're, if you're worried about that, if that concerns you, then, then the scriptures teach us that if you trust in Christ, then you have nothing to worry about. That that moment will not be a moment of despair, but it will be a moment of transition to where you will go from this life now to the loving hands of, of God. And if you already have Jesus, if he is your Lord, then you don't have to worry about God taking that eternal life away from you because you belong to him. And many people who belong to Christ wonder, what if I lose it? What if I screw up too much and God kind of pulls it back from me? Or what if 
someone does something and I lose it, and then in that moment I, I die and I lose my salvation. Well, that's a horrible, play, horrible way to live, and it, and it goes also against the, the scriptures. Jesus actually talked about this in, in John chapter 10, verses 27 and following. He wrote this, or he said this, and it was written for him later. My sheep, and sheep he's referring to, he's not talking about animals, sheep, but he's talking about the people that follow him. And so we, if we follow Christ in many word pictures, he refers to us as his sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Never. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. So as we speak about who God the Father is and and how we belong to him, it's good for us to remember that God loves me, God forgives me, God has a purpose for me, God gives me eternal life. It's good to remember this verse here, remember the strength of our Father, that no one is more powerful than him. No one can take you from him. You are secure in the hands of your Father. If you've called on Jesus and you're listening to him and following him, then you have nothing to worry about. But if you're worrying today, then you can turn today into the greatest thank you moment of your life. You can say yes to Jesus. You can give your life to him and you can experience the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and discover that he has a purpose for you. This could be your day. The most popular verse in the Bible is popular for a good reason. John 3, 16. This is what it reads. For this is how God loved the world. It's saying, this, what I'm about to tell you, is how you know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves the world. It's not just this concept of love and you leave it up to the audience to determine what it is. It's very specific. It says, this is how you know that you know that you know that God loves the world. And here it is. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, say everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We just finished the, the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And I loved that sermon series. And when I was preparing this, I could not help but think of, of the Joseph and Jesus connection. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But in the story of Joseph, remember Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. His father grieved. His, he was his favored, uh, favorite son. Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. So when he was... Uh, Sold into slavery, he thought he was dead because the brothers lied to him. He was devastated. He lost him. He didn't send him away. He didn't give him away. But he lost his son. He was taken from him. And through the course of Joseph's life, the ups and downs, he ends up being the the head of uh, the prime minister of Egypt. The only person that could tell him what to do was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the boss. And then one day his brothers ran out of food because this big famine hit and Joseph was in the position of power and the only place in the world that they could get food was Egypt. And so his brothers went to Egypt, they got there and they stood before Joseph and Joseph had the opportunity to pay them back. 
and say, you know what, you guys really did me wrong, and now the tables have turned, bye-bye, you're dead. But he didn't do that. What he chose to do instead was to give them grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It wasn't just one time like, okay, you can have your food, now get out of here, I don't want to see you anymore. But he gave them food, and they came back, and they got more food, and he revealed who he was, and he cried with them, and he wept with them. And, and because Pharaoh loved Joseph so much, he told Joseph's family, he's like, leave all your stuff in, uh, in your homeland. Leave, leave it there. Just don't worry about packing it. Just bring yourself and bring everybody with you. Come to Egypt. I'm going to give you the best of everything here. He gave him the best of that because he loved Joseph so much. And so the same thing happens for us. In that story, we get a, a picture of, of Pharaoh and Joseph mirroring, foreshadowing the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Because of God's love for his son Jesus, he now looks upon us, those who have received God's grace and grace and grace. He looks upon us with that same, with that same favor and he says, don't mess with all this stuff over here. It's, it's garbage. Let me give you the best of the best. Just, just come to me. Come to my land and let me give you the best. This is the heart of God. That he loves us. And he forgives us with this grace upon grace. And he has a purpose for us. And not only that, but he doesn't just want to, to help us now in this life. And he does. And you should make sure you ask him for everything you need. But he also gives us this eternal life that can never be taken away from us. No matter if we have a wonderful, successful life here or if it's just hard and we struggled our entire lives. The promises are there. I really do believe this, and I'll, I'll close with this. When my children come to me, we did the thing at Thanksgiving and said, we're thankful for this and for that. And it was really good. I enjoyed that. But just out of the blue, when my children come to me, and just say, Dad, thank you so much for whatever it is that they're thankful for. Do you know that moves my heart? When I can tell that they're not just wanting something from me, but I'm truly grateful. Our relationship with God is much like the same thing. If we're only going to God because we want nice Christmas presents, he's going to see through that much easier than I see through that in my uh, children's life. He can't pull, pull the wool over his eyes. But when we truly have a heart of gratitude and we live a life of thank you to God, it unlocks his love for us to where he realizes, I want to give you more. I want to give you more. I want to give you more peace. I can see that you're, you're thankful for all the things that I've given to you. It unlocks him to where he is able to bless us because it won't ruin us. But if we're ungrateful... If God blesses us, it's just going to ruin us. And God loves us too much for that. So I want to challenge you this week to thank God for these things every day until Sunday. I won't challenge you to do it for the rest of your life. Just seven days. Give me seven days. I want you to thank God for these four things and see if it makes a difference in your life. I believe it will, and I believe it will change your relationship with God, and it will give you strength where there used to be weakness. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for these four things. Thank you for the fact that you love us. 
thank you for the fact that you forgive us. Thank you that you have purpose for us. And thank you, God, that you give us eternal life. I uh, spend way too much time asking for things and instead of thanking you for things. And so, Lord, I pray that I would add more to that, more thanking in my prayer life with you. And I, I, I pray the same for, for each of the people that are listening right now. I pray your blessings over them. May we all have hearts of gratitude to you because you are a good father. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.